Saint Teresa of Avila once said, prayer is an act of love. Words are not needed. Even if sickness distracts from thoughts, all that is needed is the will to love. Welcome to the 28th episode of St. Dimpness Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want everyone to remember when we feel like we can't find the words to pray, we can fall back on something much simpler and yet no less profound in the eyes of God, our will to love. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, Anonymous came by with a question I thought would help a lot of us, so I wanted to start right off with it. My 14-year-old son is battling some serious mental health issues. We know he's been having constant suicidal thoughts. He's currently seeing a counselor once a week, and we have an appointment with a psychiatrist coming up. I'd love to hear tips for parents in supporting their children through mental illness. Will you all please join me in prayer for Anonymous and her son? For the Holy Spirit to make clear to her the best way to support him, and for her son to experience relief and peace in his heart. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. I first have to say, God bless you for helping your son get involved in counseling and psychiatry as a way of supporting him. I can't tell you how many parents ignore the mental health of their kids or are scared off by symptoms such as suicidal ideation and would rather just not talk about it. Your son is blessed to have you. About the suicidal thinking, as I mentioned in a previous episode, be compassionate but also direct when asking questions prompted by a worry about suicide. Asking about suicide won't put the idea in his head. You already know he's thinking about it constantly. But it will help him to see that you aren't scared off by the topic. And asking direct questions allow for the direct answers you need to hear to judge the best course of action for keeping your son safe in that moment. I'd like you and your son to know that he isn't alone. According to the Columbus Recovery Center, one in five teens aged 13 to 18 experience a mental health condition, and 50% of all chronic mental illnesses begin by 14. Staying with Recovery Village's website, I'd like to share some of their ideas for ways to help your teen because I think they're right on. Learn the warning signs for your teen, things like oversleeping or exhaustion, extreme mood swings, wearing clothes that are specifically used to cover up self-harm as examples. Educate yourself about mental illness. Take some time to learn everything you can and perhaps reach out to your local NAMI group, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a great place for families. Talk openly about mental illness. Have conversations about drug abuse. Be supportive, not enabling. Letting your teen know that having a mental health issue uh, doesn't change how much you love them. Try not bl to blame people or events for your teen's symptoms. Don't use dismissive or judgmental language. Things like everything is going to be okay or you'll get over it are not helpful. Instead, try how can I best support you right now? We'll be praying for you, Anonymous, and your son. Next, Sarah asks us to explore the topic of counseling and mental health and spirituality going together. In other words, not spiritualizing mental health struggles, but trying 
tying spirituality into mental health treatment in a healthy and productive way. Awesome topic, Sarah. Thanks for tossing it in the hat. So yes, since you mentioned it, we really want to avoid uh, spiritualizing our mental health symptoms to get away from the idea that the devil is causing us depression, anxiety, etc. And instead, learn to see our symptoms as something we can, one, learn strategies to cope with, and two, improve thanks to help from professionals when needed. That being said, faith plays a gigantic role in therapy, and I think ignoring spirituality, which is thankfully becoming a thing of the past in most therapy circles, is risky for people seeking help. And so when it's appropriate and when it's something a client values in their life, I think it's absolutely vital for a therapist to tie faith and spirituality into counseling. And while I'm not using Catholicism as you might think in my everyday therapy, there are lessons rooted in my Catholicism that I use with every single person I see. First is the idea that we all have dignity and worth no matter what. This idea is obviously informed by my Catholic faith, but it is such an important message for people to hear and incorporate because we quickly feel worthless and lacking all dignity when we're feeling paralyzed by depression or anxiety, when we're not producing anything because of a lack of motivation or decreased energy, when we're unable to work because of any of our mental health struggles. But all of that is a lie. We continue to have the same dignity and worth when we're making a paycheck and supporting our family as we as we do when we're stuck in bed every day, too depressed to even take care of ourselves. And we have to get that message out there. I'll do just one more for the sake of brevity. The idea that there is always hope. As someone who has felt hopeless in the past, I came to realize how important it is for someone to verbalize that there is hope even though it doesn't feel like it. And not necessarily hope that things are going to get better or that we're going to get over our problems so they aren't worth worrying about, but something different, something deeper. I've always gone back to this quote from Vaclav Havel to explain what I think about hope. Hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. This isn't meant to be a things happen for a reason so grit your teeth and bear it kind of idea, but rather that our pain and suffering plays a role in who we are, who we become. And if we're people of faith, we can learn to see everything that happens to us being for the sake of our sanctity. And that is the hope that carries on no matter what happens in our lives. I hope that's helpful, Sarah. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to introduce you to Saint Noel Chabanel. Born in 1613 in France, Noel entered the Jesuit novitiate at the age of 17 and was sent to North America as a missionary in 1643. He studied the Algonquin language but ultimately never learned it well enough to use it in his work. He's another in our long line of examples of individuals who turned toward God, followed God's path, and failed to experience the good and positive feelings that one might expect when looking for confirmation of following God's will, and instead experienced the complete opposite. Despite uh, what he wanted to feel, Noel experienced a kind of revulsion toward the very people he was charged with being a missionary to, and that combined with his inability to learn their language in spite of his efforts led to a complete spiritual suffocation. He wanted to abandon the whole project and withdraw from it completely. Instead, he made a vow to stick with his mission under obedience, and this vow was kept all the way to his martyrdom in spite of never receiving that spiritual consolation that would have made things so much easier. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer, and we're going to go with a prayer from the Jesuit missionaries to North America. 
Jesus Christ, my Savior, who by a wonderful dispensation of your fatherly providence have willed that I, although completely unworthy, should be a helper of your holy apostles in this vineyard, impelled by the desire to fulfill the purposes of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of the most holy sacrament of your body and precious blood, the tabernacle of God among men, vow perpetual stability in this mission. I implore you, therefore, O my Savior, to accept me as a perpetual servant of this mission, and grant that I may be worthy of such sublime service. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. First up, Anonymous stops by. When I was a very young, a family member committed suicide. I was around them as a baby and toddler, but I have no memory of this person at all. Side note, I didn't find out about the true nature of this person's death until I was 14, and my parents are still unaware that I know. They always just said they died from a sickness and will not discuss it further. Due to this, I have immense grief over the loss of this person and the thought that they got to such a place of hopelessness. I also feel great sadness that I lost any sense of even knowing this person. How should I process this loss? Is it even fair that I should grieve over a person I never knew? Let's start by joining together in prayer for Anonymous, the soul of their loved one who died by suicide, and everyone who's, who has been and continues to be touched by suicide, that God may bring all of us peace, salvation, and comfort. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I'm so sorry for the loss you've experienced, and I should say, uh, I want to point out that your parents have probably been doing what they think is best in hiding the nature of this person's death, even though it's typically better to be open and honest, I just want to assume good intentions on their parts. It's definitely understandable to grieve this loss, even for a person you never really knew. It's important to note that grief can impact us in ways that we would never have imagined. Sometimes we can feel intense grief over a situation that we wouldn't have anticipated would bring us any difficulty, and other times we can experience no grief at all when facing a situation where we would have guessed it would crush our spirit beyond recognition, and it's all completely normal. As outsiders, we should never be judging the reaction of grief responses of another, and as the individual facing the situation, it's important to cut ourselves some slack on both both ends of the spectrum because grief and how we walk through the grieving process is such a mystery. When grief hits us hard, it's important to stop and consider if therapy to process the loss, even if only briefly, might be a good place to start. Sometimes we think if we get started in therapy, it's going to be some long, drawn-out situation where we end up lying on a couch and talking about our feelings for the next 20 years. But it most certainly doesn't have to be like that. More often than not, we get involved in therapy to process through something we're finding unexpectedly difficult, and having that outside perspective, even briefly, I'm talking like six to eight sessions, can make a huge difference for us. And in your current situation, Situation, if you're the kind of person who this appeals to, might I suggest thinking about looking into templates and ideas for letter writing to the person as a way of working through the grieving process. It can be a great way to get what's in your mind down on paper, which can be a fantastic place to start. Next up, a different anonymous is here. I'm currently studying abroad, month four of six, and studying abroad has been way harder than I thought it would be. It's exposed some really early abandonment issues. My parents visited me for Christmas, and they left this morning. I'm feeling so alone and so overwhelmed by the prospect of being here for two more months. I don't know what to do. 
Let's all pray for Anonymous and everyone struggling to be away from home for any reason, that God may draw closer to them than ever before and fill their heart with comfort. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Transitions like this can be quite difficult, so first off, I want you to know that you aren't alone, in the sense that there are so many of us who know that pain and that struggle, and we're united to you in that suffering, and now in prayer through this podcast. With two months left, I'm hopeful that God will bring into your life even the smallest of relationships that will help you feel supported and carry you through. And remember, even though it's a bit odd to think of it this way, Catholic Twitter and Catholic social media in general are great for being able to help us feel connected and supported even when we're off away on our own. All that being said, if this experience has also brought to the forefront some abandonment issues from your past, I would most definitely recommend therapy to help you have a look at those experiences, how they've impacted your current self and your current life, and how to move through them in a way that will help you feel more secure and happier. Like I mentioned previously, it's not necessarily a long, drawn-out therapeutic relationship, but rather a brief one that focuses on how these things are impacting your current life, and then challenging those thoughts and learning coping skills to steady the ship as you go forward. Super exciting that your parents were able to come out and visit. And here's to you wrapping up this strong and coming home. A third anonymous wraps us up with this one. I just got married and my husband and I really want to welcome children into our family as soon as possible. However, I'm under treatment for anxiety and depression and I worry about the effects of pregnancy on my mental health. My husband and I have both agreed we want to each be seeing a therapist regularly before we try to get pregnant. But are there any other ways to make sure that your mental health is ready for pregnancy? Let's pray for Anonymous and her husband, and for all of us left questioning if we're ready for pregnancy, that the Blessed Mother can ask her son to guide us, and that we can feel safe in his loving arms. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Congratulations on getting married, Anonymous, and might I just start by saying what a healthy thing it is to want to be mentally prepared for welcoming a child into this world. It's really awesome that you want to make sure you're taking care of yourself before embarking on this next part of your journey. One thing that complicates my answer here is that each pregnancy impacts the mental health of each woman differently. Some see an inexplicable improvement in their symptoms, even if they have to stop certain medications, and others start to feel increased symptoms and find it difficult to cope with these emotions. So it's really hard to predict ahead of time how you will feel and thus what you will need to do to prepare. My main thought, though, is that it's pretty clear that you are trying to do everything right, getting into treatment, both looking into therapy before moving forward, etc., and that's a huge step ahead of where most of us were when we started this part of our journey, so cut yourself a little slack and be willing to pat yourself on the back a bit. 
I just want to underscore for the sake of everyone listening that being pregnant and having children can stir up our mental health in ways that we can't imagine, ways we can't predict. And because of that, at least a little bit, we can't really prepare ourselves completely. I think a lot about when we were awaiting our first child and well-meaning people would always say, get your sleep now because you're going to be so tired. Uh, But then we had our son, and sure, we were literally tired, but it wasn't the being tired that was the hardest part. It was the emotional toll of having a baby who at times was completely inconsolable, the strain on our relationship, the fear of not having any idea what to do. These things impacted my mental health in ways it had never been impacted before. And as it got better and easier with each child's sense, I look back and I think, was there something that we could have done to help us prepare? And I'm not so sure there is, other than this idea that can help us in all avenues of our life, really. This too shall pass. When you have kids and they're in this phase that seems like it's never going to end and you're desperate and you don't know what to do, remember, this too shall pass. When you're feeling hopeless and helpless and depressed or anxious beyond what you can cope with, this too shall pass. Or to take it in a Catholic direction, we turn to someone who would have been great, a great therapist, quite honestly, St. Teresa of Avila. Let nothing disturb you, nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God is unchanging. Patience gains all. Nothing is lacking to those who have God. God alone is sufficient. God bless you and your husband. We'll be praying for you. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous, obviously, or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.